Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Childhood allergies have been on the rise in Australia for some time now. According to the Australasian Society for Clinical Immunology and Allergy, hospital admissions for severe allergic reactions have doubled over the last decade in Australia, the USA and the UK. And while we don't know precisely what's causing it, many people are working hard to find out. In the meantime, clinical gastroenterologist Dr. Vincent Ho has been studying ways to prevent allergic reactions developing in children. His book, The Healthy Baby Gut Guide, delves into how you can help your baby build good gut health to help prevent allergic reactions as they get older. Hi, Vincent. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Thank you for having me on your program. What's the most common allergic reaction a child will have to food? Yeah, the most common allergic reaction that a child will have to food is fairly nonspecific. So it can include nausea, vomiting. Um, In some cases, it can cause diarrhea, itchiness. These are very nonspecific signs and symptoms. Uh, Sometimes, however, the reaction can be quite severe, uh, in which case they can feel quite sometimes confused. There can be wheezing, swelling of the tongue, face, or the throat, which can result in difficulty breathing. So those more concerning signs, fortunately, are rare. However, they can be the signs of a condition called anaphylaxis, which is a very serious allergic reaction. Which sounds terrifying. Um, Your daughter had a reaction to an egg when she was very small. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, it's a very vivid experience, uh, Siobhan. I still remember it. It happened over five years ago. And this was on a Saturday afternoon when my wife, Cindy, and I, we were at a uh, Chinese yum cha restaurant with our extended family. And we had our six-month daughter, Olivia, with us. We had gone through all the dumplings and it was time for dessert. And one of the delicacies at the Yum Cha restaurant was an egg tart. So we fed a tiny bit of it to Olivia. And at that point in time, we were just trying her on a range of solid foods. But then all of a sudden, it would have been just within a few minutes after eating a bit of that egg tart, there was a new rash over Olivia's lips. So that rash spread over her face. She started becoming a bit wheezy, looked uncomfortable. We all rushed over. And I remember distinctly, Siobhan, that I was myself very panicked. And in fact, I was yelling out at the time, is there an EpiPen? I was uh, quite distressed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyone would be, even if they're a doctor. Um, (laughs) So this obviously has helped to fuel your interest in childhood allergies. What happened after that with Olivia? What did you do? What were the next steps after you discovered she had this reaction? Did she get any tests or or how did you move forward? So what happens, we rushed her out into our car to take it to a a hospital, but fortunately her reaction began to subside. So that was good. She didn't have persistent shortness of breath and nor did her face swell up. So those were good features. She got to emergency, she was assessed as stable, and then plans were made to follow up with an allergy specialist. And it was that stage that she did see an allergy specialist and was diagnosed as having an egg allergy formally. So with that, a plan was made for her in regards to 
um, how to manage eggs in the future. And egg would be one of the main things that children seem to be having reactions to. Are there set food groups that tend to be more dangerous for kids when it comes to allergic reactions? Certainly. So some foods, for example, peanuts can be very serious. With egg allergy, we know that 80% of kids outgrow egg allergies. However, for peanuts, it's the opposite. Only about 20% of kids will outgrow a peanut allergy. And we know that with peanut allergies, many kids can actually be can get very sick from it. So anaphylactic reactions, sort of reactions I described before, can happen with peanut allergies. So that's a, it's a serious one to, to, to really consider. Now, you're a clinical gastroenterologist. I would have thought with allergies, um, given that, say, for example, with a peanut allergy, it just has to touch a child's lips for them to get a reaction. How does your particular expertise feed into allergy prevention? That's a really good question. And I think that that is, as a gastroenterologist, I'm very familiar with the gut. So all to to do with the gut and gut microbes. And after Olivia's experience, and I must admit, I was quite terrified um, in the situation. I was powerless, as you said, as a, even though I'm a medical specialist, I'm powerless in that situation. So I wanted to do some reading about allergies. And the more that I read, Siobhan, the more I realized how important the gut was to allergies in terms of uh, causing allergies in the first instance. So I realized early on that your gut health is very important. The fact that there may be in some children a dysbiosis, which is an imbalance in their gut microbes, can actually increase their risk of developing allergies, um, particularly childhood allergies. And many of these allergies, as we talked about, can be quite severe. So I began to realize that there was a body of evidence out there uh, linking the gut to allergies. And then after that, when I had that realization, I wanted to really share that information. And so the book itself, The Healthy Baby Gut Guide, has been written with that aim to really share that information about the, the gut and why it's important that we have gut, good, good gut health in our children to help prevent conditions like allergies. So you go, um, you do cover a very wide range of ages in this book. I mean, when I say wide, you also talk about pregnancy. I'm just imagining that a baby in utero, everything is growing and the gut itself is growing. Are there actually things we can do when we're pregnant to help the development of a healthy gut? Absolutely. So one of the pregnancies is very interesting because Traditionally, it was thought at least a number of years ago that women should be avoiding certain foods. So they were instructed to avoid eating peanuts, for example, in in pregnancy. But what we realize now is that there is absolutely no need to restrict your diet during pregnancy or breastfeeding. So that is really important. There's no evidence that avoiding any of these allergenic foods helps to prevent childhood allergies. And on the contrary, um, Siobhan, there's actually some emerging evidence, and I mentioned this in my book, that eating more allergenic foods earlier in pregnancy during the first trimester could potentially be helpful in reducing that risk of allergy in your baby. So there's some evidence to say that that is the case. Obviously, it's important to wait further research, but this was very interesting. And what I realized when I was doing my research into allergies and linking back to pregnancy was that that window of of time in which women ate the allergenic foods 
was quite important. So it's really the first trimester of pregnancy, which is a key time for that development of the unborn baby's immune system. And what they found in some studies was that if um, some mothers were eating peanuts during the first trimester, that could lead to a 47% reduction in the odds of their baby developing a peanut allergy during childhood. So I was amazed to find that information out. Yeah, that's huge. That's that's really big. Okay, so what about breastfeeding? Because there are different ideas. You know, if your baby's colicky, someone might tell you to stop eating certain things so it doesn't come through the breast milk. Is there a similar approach for you when it comes to preventing allergies while you're breastfeeding? Yeah, so with breastfeeding, one of the most important points to recognize is that the breast milk itself is, and I'd actually term this, it's like liquid gold. It is the complete package of nutrition for babies. But what it has been shown with breast milk is that it actually has some very important immunological properties that in many ways can be helpful in reducing the risk of allergies. So consuming breast milk itself is very helpful in reducing the risk of allergies. We know that when mothers are breastfeeding, there's no need to restrict their their diet unless the baby has a confirmed allergy. So if their baby, when they're breastfeeding, has a confirmed peanut allergy, then of course it's sensible to avoid uh, peanuts in diet. But unless that happens, there is really no need to restrict foods during breastfeeding. How would you know that the baby was allergic to peanuts though? Well, one of the, um, and I've described this in my book, it's important to really look for evidence of symptoms, particularly after introducing foods to babies. So it's very important to look for some of those early signs of reaction, which I've mentioned before, like which can be nonspecific, like nausea, vomiting, dizziness, and so on. So there can be some nonspecific features, but also there can be the more serious the serious signs that I mentioned before too. So if those happen, and it's often based upon a, a time course. So if a baby has a reaction, which happens pretty quickly after consuming a peanut, for example, they get difficulty in breathing, there's swelling of the tongue, there's wheeziness, for example. If those things happen and they're observed after introducing a, a new food into their diet, then that's an important time to recognize this and go, hang on, this could well be an allergy and my child should be referred to an allergy specialist. I guess I'm just trying to work out if your baby is not on solids yet and you don't know whether they have an uh, an allergic, well, you don't know what they'd be allergic to if you're just breastfeeding, um, should you avoid eating peanuts or strawberries or eggs or things like that while you're breastfeeding before you've introduced food to your baby? Uh, Siobhan, good question. And the answer is no. There's absolutely no need to restrict uh, your diet in, in any way because what the research has found is that by avoiding those foods when you're breastfeeding your baby, before your baby is eating solids, there actually is no benefit in reducing their risk of developing childhood allergies. So there's no need to restrict when breastfeeding. You mentioned that breast milk is liquid gold and every mother is told that breast is best. But of course, there are times when we either choose or need to feed our babies formula. Have you discovered anything regarding formula feeding and allergic reaction? You mentioned that the breastfeeding itself can be quite a good preventative measure to prevent allergies from forming. Um, What do you know about formula? 
Yeah, so you've, you've raised a great question, and it's a question that I think confronts a lot of mothers, particularly if they have difficulty in being able to express milk. And in my book, I write about my wife Cindy's experiences here. Cindy found it very difficult to produce enough milk for both of our kids, and certainly she was racked with a bit of guilt about that. And uh, we've come to the realisation that it's not necessarily breast is best, although, of course, breastfeeding is ideal. But I think that fed is best is more important in many ways because it's important that our, that our babies receive an adequate nutrition, whether it's from breast milk or from formula if required. So when it comes to formula, what we know about formula is that there's a lot of research that's being done at the moment to try to make formula as close as possible to breast milk because we, we see breast milk as the ideal. And the, the research that's being done on formula is designed to give it properties that are very similar to breast milk. So for example, giving it live microbes, we call these probiotics, or giving some food ingredients that are designed to stimulate the growth of microbes, and we call these prebiotics. So by having prebiotics and probiotics into formula, that's actually been shown to help be helpful in, in reducing the risks of developing some types of allergies. Um, now, if, when it comes to introducing food to our babies, do we need to be giving them kombucha and sauerkraut? Like we are told <laughs> these are the things that we need to have a healthy gut. What does it mean for babies that are just starting solids in terms of giving them a healthy gut? Yeah, Siobhan, in, in answering that question, I think it's really important that babies should be developmentally ready to eat solid foods. And so certainly they should have their head and neck up straight, reach out for food, open their mouth when offered food on a spoon. When it comes to solid foods, what is important is making sure that the baby has all the right food groups. So having all the, all the right food groups is actually really quite important. And also um, with as part of that, um, and I write this in the book, making sure they have an adequate fiber level. So some of these other foods that have been mentioned, like probiotics or fermented foods like kombucha, they can be useful for the baby, but certainly would be worth introducing in the second half of their six to 12 month period, because we have to make sure that babies are able to handle a number of textures first. So certainly mashed, uh, more blended foods. And then later on, as they're getting close to 12 months, that will be a good time to introduce some of these more functional foods, as I call them, like kombucha. So I'm thinking back to your experience with your daughter in the Yum Cha restaurant and remembering back to when my kids were starting to try foods for the first time. Should we all be on standby with an EpiPen just to avoid that horrible response, reaction that you yourself experienced when Olivia was reacting to the egg? Or should we just be taking it step by step and it, it'll be okay? Siobhan, I want to reassure parents out there that it is important to uh, not over overstress about, about the situation. Certainly, I know that there are some parents that are really anxious about the prospect of trialing their children, babies on new foods. And in fact, some are known to park their cars outside hospitals uh, when they're trialing foods. I mean, as, as amazing as it sounds, it actually is the case that there are a number of people that I am aware of that, that do that. 
But I don't think it's necessary to, to do that because I think having a common sense approach is really important. So what I mean by that is certainly to be mindful for the signs and symptoms of a of a reaction to foods. So as I mentioned before, things like a rash, these are non-specific symptoms often, runny nose, hives, tingling of the mouth, sometimes swelling of the lips, face and eyes. So be aware of some of those symptoms, and they can be very nonspecific, like vomiting and diarrhea shortly after trialing a new food. But I think there are some tips, Siobhan, that can be very useful. So for example, introducing a new food, which is potentially an allergen, at a set time during the day. Now, this could be during the morning, for example, or at lunchtime, but you want to be able to do it at a consistent time in the day so that you can monitor for a reaction later on. During a quiet day is very sensible. And also, if there's no reaction, also testing that same food allergen again for three days in a row and continue to look for a reaction. If there's no reaction after the next three days, then I think we can be safe to say that the baby is not allergic to that food. Vincent, that is so interesting. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. No, thank you, Siobhan. It's a pleasure. That's clinical gastroenterologist Dr. Vincent Ho. He's the author of The Healthy Baby Gut Guide, and I'll put links to where you can find the book in the notes of this episode. <laughs> 